Hello and welcome to Hooked on Rugby. My name is Mal Pope. And I'm James Hook. Today's guest, I've had to write a few things down here. He's Wales record try scorer and Wales most cap winger. He was the World Player of the Year in 2008. He's got 87 Wales caps, been on multiple Lions tours. He's got an MBE. He's been inducted to the World Rugby Hall of Fame and plenty more. He's none other than Wales rugby legend, Shane Williams. Hey, Shane, thanks for coming on, pal. How's it going, eh? Good, bye. Good, pal. How's things? Not too bad, but not too bad. Do you miss playing? <laughs> I, do, I do miss playing, pal. It's, it's one of those things I, I don't suppose you ever get over. Um, you know, I, when I retired, I didn't want to retire. I just that I, I had to, you know, unless I'd be playing with the Zimmer frame. Do you know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, it doesn't get any easier. And I, I speak to play, players like, you know, the, the ex-players, Gerald Davis and Gareth Edwards and these, and they still miss playing. So, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever get over that, Hooky. So keep those boots on for as long uh, as you yeah. can. I'm trying, I'm trying, but... <laughs> but uh, I, so, you, you, Shane, you've played, obviously, for I mean, like, did Neath, Ospreys, Mitch, was it Mitsubishi, Dino Bears, something like that, Dynamo Bears? <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> it, it is a mouthful, and I will forgive you for this, but they're called the Mitsubishi Heavy Industry Diner Bores. Were there many Welsh people out there, Shane, you know, involved in the game? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I heard I was the second player. Um, they never told me you the first one. <laughs> but, um, funny enough, they didn't want any more Welshmen after I went there. I don't know what I did. But, no, but actually, after the, the, year, the last year I, I played there, Garth Delvin out there, and he played for N NEC. Um, and we actually played him in a friendly, and he put 50 points on us. So um, I, I think, I think the, there's only a handful of, of British players, not let alone Welsh players, that go over there. Um, it's just, it's, apparently it's just really difficult to get the opportunity, but you know, lucky enough for me, I, I was approached and, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah, because you, you actually retired, didn't you? And then... Uh, I retired about 12 times that season, okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, no one would let me retire in peace. Um, it, it actually came after my, I played for the Barbars against Wales at the uh, Millennium Stadium, Auckland's Party Stadium now, and I literally had the phone call uh, that evening. And initially, I asked Gail was next to me, and I said, uh, "Gail, do you want to go to Japan?" And she told me to bugger off. <laughs> no. If Gail was outside the Almond Valley, she gets a nosebleed. That's the kind of girl she is. So, uh, but then I, I I read the contract in the morning, and I noticed how many zeros were actually on the bottom. So I, I said, "Love, to pack your bags. We're off." Hey Shane, talk us through uh, when where you started, obviously in uh, in the Almond Valley. Yeah, well, I, I've always lived here, so. Um, you know, my club has always been the Ammon United. Uh, I started junior junior school. I was about eight to nine years of age. And, you know, like any kid, you know yourself, you know, that's, that's all I wanted to do. And all I wanted to do was play for Wales. Um, and I went, uh, after I went to Comprehensive, I was disheartened a little bit because I was, you know, believe it or not, hooky by. I was, I was very small back then as well. So, um, <laughs> so... So the teachers would often, you know, try and persuade me not to play rugby. I started playing football, doing gymnastics, things like that, and I kind of forgot about rugby for a bit. But as soon as I was old enough and physical enough again, I started playing after school, and uh, you know, started enjoying the crack with the boys and uh, and youth rugby and so on and so forth. And we know what it's like then; it just gets a bit crazy when you get to the youth rugby, and and and, and you start to learn to to drink and. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take you longer. I still, I still haven't learned how to drink, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, I think it's the same for for any lad. You know, rugby's rugby's such a big part of it in these small little towns. I mean, United, massive historical club that 
I've had the privilege of following and playing for and going back and playing for at the end as well and getting my head kicked in. Oh, no, because well, I've I played a Damon a number of times yeah. with a band rather than on the, on the pitch. But it is, it's a community club. It's very much a part of the community. And I, and I suppose that's the worry with the, with the regions, what we're going through yeah. now. It, it's so much a part of being in that community, isn't it? Being, you know, as you say, it's still your club, whatever other teams you've played for. Yeah, well, you know, the, the club is a massive part of the Valley, it's a massive part of um, of my history and, and you know, it's, it's a big club, historically it's a big club. So, um, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of starting as a junior, going up to senior le- uh, youth level, first of all, sorry, then senior level, um, becoming a professional rugby player and then having the opportunity to go back and and play with my mates and my brother and my brother-in-laws and my brother-in-law's brother's brother and you know what a valley's like we're all related somehow and uh, and, and uh, you know the bonus was we got to the final of the bowl and and the lads got the opportunity to play at the prince party stadium it's you know it, it doesn't get any better than that hey and shane obviously you played together so so much for the ospreys and uh, obviously wales but would you say 2008 grand slam and then world play of the years one of the highlights of your career if not the highlight or Oh, no, it is. That, that's the whole year, to be honest, James. I think, um, you know, 2007 was a difficult period for Wales. You know, we went to the World Cup, got knocked out by Fiji. Yeah. Uh, uh, even though I scored a hell of a try that day. But, <laughs> um, no, but I, I, you know, that, I was just coming back from injury in 07 and I was starting to get fit again. I had a nice little pre-season off where I didn't go on tour and I got really fit for that World Cup. And, and then with Warren Gatland coming in, uh, and coaching for the Six Nations, you know, he was the kind of coach that suited the way I played, and that was not really knowing what the hell I was doing out there. And he kind of <laughs> he gave me that freedom and that license, and uh, you know, we, I just went on and, and had a great Six Nations, and the summer tour went really well. And you know, you know what it's like sometimes you get like purple patches where everything you touch turns to gold, and yeah. uh, you know, it, I, it was never going to get any better than that. I knew 2009 was going to be a difficult year for me with the Lions come in, and I was thinking. You know, I I can't physically and, and mentally see how I'm going to get any better. So 2008 was just hell of a year. Yeah, and uh, well, speaking of 2007, I remember that actually because we all expected to get the quarter final, didn't we? And uh, and beat beat Fiji. Obviously, we lost that game. But I remember coming home, Gareth Jenkins getting sacked, and uh, waved my parents off because they'd already booked tickets to the quarter final. So <laughs> I waved them off, and uh, and I was back at home. But uh, you talk obviously 2008. It's a good story about you and uh, and your old man, isn't it? Yeah, well, my my, my own man's a betting man, and uh, and apparently he put some he, he put some bet on me um, back in the day when I was a kid, really. Um, and one probably a bet he'd forgotten about after he did it, but I remember leading into the French game. Uh, if 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 I scored in that game, I became the all-time top try scorer for Wales, which was again is 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 crazy, and. Um, you know, and and I remember try, driving into the the stadium on the day. You know, when when you see all the fans and you get all nervous, and the phone went in my in in my pocket, and um, you know, it, it was my old man, and he and he, and I could see he was a bit nervous on the phone. He said, "A big day today. Are you looking forward to the game?" I said, "Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm I'm good. I'm ready to go." And I said, "Dad, I gotta go. You know, I've got a big game coming up." He said, "All right, okay." And then as I was putting the phone down, he said, "Wait, before you put the phone down, if I if you score today." I win fifty thousand pounds. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was no pressure. Yeah, a pretty nervy, yeah, and, and no pressure. And thank God we won the Grand Slam, didn't we? I I scored with that kick through, and uh, I'm seeing the old man since. So <laughs> yeah, that was a big, big day for me. 
Uh, it's a big day for everyone, isn't it? But uh, hey, going back a little bit, and Shane, back to 2003, would you say that World Cup was probably the start of you? Because obviously you had your first camp in 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. And then you had a couple of years out, and then you sort of you went to the World Cup as third choice scrum after you? Yeah, well, yeah, 2000, I, I, I was given my first opportunity at the cap and everything, thought I was, you know, thought I was the the bee's knees and, um, you know, walking around like I owned the, owned, the, owned the place really and really enjoyed the experience. But then in 2000, 2001, Steve Hansen became the coach and basically dropped me uh, straight, straight away. Uh, you know, we had a face-to-face -face conversation and it went pretty much in the, in the sense of, uh, Shane, don't take offence, but you're not big enough, strong enough, or physical enough to be in my team. I'm going to drop you. So, how do you not take offence to that, really? But how many times? Yeah, how many times have people told you that in your career, then? Oh God, <laughs> I, I, uh, I wouldn't like to count. Honestly, it's. But you know, initially, that's that's what's what's difficult, and and you know, it it does hurt, and you take it very personal. But in the end, that's what got me through it. I love proving people wrong, and I love the fact that. I could go out there and do the business and, and, and shut a few people up. And, you know, I was taken to the 2003 World Cup as a third-choice scrum half. Uh, I started playing some good rugby again because I, I had quite a, a lull in, in, in my career where I was just trying to prove people that I was good enough. It didn't work. Um, you know, and 2003, I, I went in that World Cup just thinking, look, I just need one opportunity. And lucky enough, you know, Wales had already qualified for the quarterfinals. We had New Zealand next up, um, who had already qualified as well, and were favourites for the World Cup. And, um, you know, I was given the chance. Have you had the opportunity, Shane, and uh, you took it with both hands, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah, literally, isn't it? It's, look, I, I knew that um, if, if I didn't play well in that New Zealand game, um, you know, Steve Hansen was, would have thought he was right for not selecting me in the first place. And... Uh, I, you know, who knows? I may not have played for Wales ever again. So uh, that game, I just had to go out and throw caution to the wind, and and just just do whatever I could really to get involved in that game. And I was probably more involved in that game than I than, the, than any other game I've ever played in. And, and Wales were fantastic that day. You know, scored 40 yeah. points against the All Blacks. Nice open, expansive game. The problem was we forgot we had to defend as well, and they scored 50. <laughs> but you know, it was a good game to watch. Yeah. And um, obviously you spoke about the Ospreys at the start, around probably the 2006, 2007, right the way through to probably 2011-12 period, we had a, a real purple patch there, won some, some league titles, some, some cups and things like that. Was, would you say that's the, the best time in club rugby for you, Shane? Because it well, certainly was for me. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. Look, I, I, jo I joined Neath back in the day, long, long time before that, and loved every second of it. But when it became the region and I could see you know, the intent of coaches like Lynn Jones and then Steve, um, Sean Hawley and these guys, I realised that, you know, we, we were part of something special down there. And, uh, you know, to win, win, I think it was four league titles we won and uh, and to play like we did over those years. I know we were, at times we were nicknamed the Galacticos, but I loved it. I, you know, the, yeah. uh, the players that, that I, I, I was involved with, the players around me, yeah, we were Galacticos, but, that was, you know, we were we were a good blooming team as well. And... Um, I think we underachieved. I think we should have done, you know, a lot, lot more, especially in Europe. And that is one of the regrets I'll have, you know. But, um, you know, we had we had some fun off the field. We had some fun on the field. We had some fun, and we we played some bloody good rugby as well. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, and some big characters as well. Any of those stand out to you? Or? 
Oh my God! Well, look, we, we, we were called Fab Four for, for a reason, were we? Because there was one of us in trouble every weekend, and uh, <laughs> um, you know, that no more so than the likes of uh, Mike Phillips. Uh, he's still one of one of the uh, most unique characters I've I've met in the game. You know, when you when you when you're someone who eludes himself as the um, you know the the George Best of rugby, it sums him up really, doesn't it? You know, he's. He, he he is a man. My joy, either love him or hate him. But uh, lucky enough for us, lot we 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 seem to love him. But no, we had some characters, Jerry Collins, the likes of Justin Marshall as well. We just had hell of a laugh, didn't we? And I think that's what um, sometimes you overlook that in rugby. Sometimes you you can take it a little bit too serious. You got to have fun. You got to play with a smile on your face, and you got to enjoy the people around you as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember actually Justin Marshall when uh, one of the first times I'd roomed with him up, up in. We were playing a game in London, I think, and obviously I was probably 20, 22, 23, still quite young, and he, he'd obviously just finished international rugby playing for the All Blacks. I'd watched him, and obviously because I was a 10, he was a 9, I, I roomed him for the first time, so I was a little bit nervous, hoping to get through the night, just, you know, uh, everything all right. Like, and uh, I remember coming to breakfast, and the boys were having a little giggle, like, you know, wondering, oh, what have I done here now? And uh, Marshy said that uh, I'd done a bit of sleep talking. I never really do any sleep talking, but um, apparently I'd, I'd woke up in the middle of the night, he was still awake reading a book or something and uh, I shouted, uh, Marshy, Marshy, have we let the dogs out? And he was he was scared stiff and he was like, yeah, 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 the dogs are out, pal. You know, but I, I haven't got any dogs, so where <laughs> that came from, I don't know. But uh, We had a, we were talking to Greg Laidlaw a little bit earlier in the week and, you know, again, he, he's not the biggest man. Uh, he, he actually asked his teacher, could he be taller? Is there any way he could be taller? But he, he worked on his physique. Um, you know, how, how do you cope? You see these big lads, you know, John Alumo came along and it was suddenly like, it was, it was like a different beast, wasn't it? It was like a, you know, a, a new species. We, we spoke to George North earlier in the series yeah. as well. He's a big, big man. You weren't a big man, but did you, did you do a lot of work in the gym, you know, to, to, to be able to compete? How do you mentally prepare yourself for, for those big, big hits? <laughs> Run around? Yeah, as I say, <laughs> yeah. When when you got the ball, don't get tackled. Yeah. Uh, and and when you when you when they've got the ball, hopefully there's an open side flanker near. Um, no, look, it's it, it's just something I had to adapt to my game. I knew that you know if I was the a kind of player that would shirk tackles or avoid contact or anything like that, that you know I wouldn't be a professional rugby player. Um, you yeah, know, like I said, yeah, yeah, even yeah, a soccer it, player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and earning a lot more money, but there you go. But. Um, no, look. It's you know since since I, w- I was a young age, I knew that I was always up against it physically. The players were always bigger than me, and I kind of adapted. And uh, you know, I've always been the kind of person who will have a go, like a Jack Russell. Really, he'll have a go, and he you won't win any fights, but he'll have a go. Like, um, and it was the same in my professional career. I wanted to be an international player. I wanted to play for Wales. I wanted to play for the Lions, and I wanted to continue starting for for the Ospreys. And to do that, you know, I couldn't shirk any tackles. I I had to make an effort and. Uh, you know, in the Welsh team, I used to work very closely with Sean Hawley, uh, sorry, Sean Hawley, Sean Edwards, um, you know, and, and adapting the way I tackled, closing down defenders before they had a run up on me. And, you know, in the end, I, I, I became, you know, a pretty decent tackler because, you know, I had to go low and I had to make sure I brought the big boys down. And um, and if you didn't, you were going to get found out, found out very soon. What do you say your favourite coach is, Shane? Uh, like my me personally was Lynn Jones. Um, you know, in, in the sense that you know when I joined Neath, I was green. I was green as you know. I, I I was nowhere near being a professional rugby player. I had lots of things to work work on. And and Lynn Jones used to take me to the side and uh, and work on me with me one on one after training sessions. And 
you know, Linjo's a very clever man. I yeah, think he's very underestimated. Yeah, a lot of rugby knowledge, very underestimated. And a lot of the things that Lynn brought um, brought to the game, even in 98, 99, when I, when I started with Neath, are starting to come into the game now. So he was ahead of his yeah, time, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of patience with me. So that's, that, for me, it was very personal. So I enjoyed working with Lynn. Oh, he's a character, wasn't he? And he's nuts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you the question. I've asked a few of the boys who've been on uh, before you. If there's one player in a Welsh team that Wales can't do without, who do you think it is? Oh, it's Alan Wynn. Yeah, I thought uh, you could say that. Every, everybody everyone said, said Alan Wynn. Everyone Wynn. said that. Oh, look, it's, it's, it's no secret. Uh, you know, he's a pain in the ass in training. He's a pain <laughs> in the ass in the game. That's for, that's for your own team. His, his own team is <laughs> Lelot Sinclair, let me say. Let me tell you. Um, he, he's just a machine, you know. He, I remember in fitness sessions, he was never the fittest on the in in training, was he? He was no. never. He was the one that would just keep going until he, he he literally collapsed on the floor, and that's how he plays his games. You know, he's he's running about in the seventieth seventy fifth minute like a headless chicken, chasing kicks and everything, and little things that people probably don't think mean much, but it makes hell of a difference yeah. when you're yeah. frustrating players like that and. Like he just gives it his all, and um, I, I think I think he's even better now than he was four or five years ago. He's getting, even though he's losing his hair, he's not losing his ability. <laughs> Don't that, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he'd be upset to me now. Yeah, it is crazy how much one man can have such an influence, isn't it? Ah, he's he's immense. He, he is, and um, it, it's you know that's what why what I what I like about him is the fact like you know Corey Hill and the and players like Adam Beard and Jake Ball they learn so much from him because they're thinking. Look, if he's giving this effort for 80 minutes and I don't, I'm going to get found out. But yeah, look, he's he's just superb and uh, he's you know he's one of the best players I've I've played with and he's even better now. What are you up to at the moment, Shane? What's what's keeping you busy? What's keeping you out of mischief? Uh, well, yes, apart from from business and um, uh, and doing stuff locally with you know Star Multifuels and a property portfolio and business I have. Six Nations is always busy. I'm working with ITV for for the games, doing a bit of punditry and commentary, which I'm, you know, learning my trade there. Um, I'm also training for the Ironman Wales as well. I was telling Mal about that because not, not just oh. it was a family affair, isn't it? But uh, yeah, you've lost the plot, yeah. I think I've lost the plot, mate. It's called a midlife crisis. You, you you'll, you'll get it soon, mate. Trust me. You got the you got the greys coming through. I know, thick and fast. I thought it was highlights. He told me he told me it was highlights. Oh, highlights. Oh, highlights. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's got the Campbellabero thing going on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it's it's just keeping busy. To be honest, with you. I'm you know I'm I'm very lucky and privileged that I've had rugby uh, for a long time. Take it a little bit easier these days, and as you can see, I'm, I spend a bit more time at home and uh, and enjoying life, and uh, you great. know do a bit of charity work at the same time. So um, yeah. you know it doesn't get any better. Right, Shane. So we've had some uh, questions through from Twitter. Will you answer a few of those for us? Yes, I'm, I'll do that, hooky boy, no problem. There we are. So we got one from Josh here. He said, what's the one game since your retirement you wish you'd played in? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, oh, God. I, I remember, um, you know, when, when England uh, come down for the Grand Slam in 2013 and, um, um, and, and Wales sent them packing with their tail between their legs. I remember watching that game. And, and and feeling at the time, oh, you know, that's that's one game I would love to still be involved in now. Put 30 points on England, stop them winning the Grand Slam. And the rugby Wales played on that day uh, would have suited me down to the ground. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 I sometimes, you know, edit that video and I take Cuthbert's face <laughs> off and I put mine on there. 
<laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so another one here, uh, Paul Williams from Rugby World said, do you think left wings have an advantage because most players are passing off their better hands? Oh, no, look, you know, it, it, to, be a, to be a good professional rugby player now, um, you've got to be able to pa- pass off, off both hands. It's as simple as that, really. Um, you know, not, not that I could. You know, I didn't pass the ball, so it didn't matter, really. But, no, look, it's, uh, as a left winger, um, you know, if you spend all your time on the left wing, you know, you're not going to score many tries anyway because that, the, the ball doesn't come out to you that often. So, for me personally... Um, you know, I used to, you know how I used to play hooky. I used to pop up at nine, used to play yeah, on the right exactly. hand side, yeah. left hand side. Yeah. Uh, I'd be in your pocket half the time waiting for you to give me the ball. But you know, I don't think it's a disadvantage. Good wingers these days go looking for the ball anyway, either side. So yeah, very rarely now you see wingers just standing on the wing. Do you? they're always looking for it around the fringe, isn't they? No, you know that those days are gone really, and uh, and I think the defence defences are so organised this day and age that. You know, you're not going to see a winger score in the corner with all hands anymore. It's not the 70s, you know, with a swivel of the hip. Yeah, the game's you know, changed, isn't it? Yeah, the game has changed. And I think if you don't go looking for work, you're not going to get involved in the game, really. Yeah, there we are, Paul. Right, the next one. Uh, this is from Bruce. Do you think if you were just starting your playing career now, you'd get overlooked because of your size and weight? Uh, well, I don't know, but my weight wouldn't be a problem, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't know. I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we are slowly seeing, you know, um, the players of, of my physique, um, you know, creeping back into the game. You know, the likes of Hogg isn't much bigger than myself. Lee Halfpenny, uh, you know, you look at Chesie Colby for um, South Africa, who's probably just a little bit bigger than I am. But uh, I, a player like him now, and, and you see in the players from the Cheetahs and the Kings, smaller players as well that just got good feet and take defenders on and I think um, you know I, I think if anything I would love to be playing I would love to be back in my 20s now playing this time um, this time all over again because of the tackle or you know the, yeah. the um, you know I, I'm only 5 foot 6 5 foot 7 in the programme <laughs> but um you know, players like you imagine a Luke Chartres or someone like Anna trying to tackle me around the waist. It just, you know, I'd have had a field day. I really yeah. would have. Yeah. So, um, you, we will see players of smaller stature get involved in the games a little bit more, and and we need to because yeah, it's you've they, got a lot in the game, isn't it? Yeah, you have, and 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 they they change the game. Stefan Evans for for the Scarlets very similar. You know, strong, uh, low centre of, of gravity when he runs is very difficult to put him down, and. Um, and, and because of the tackle laws as well, you know, you you you, you try and tackle them, you, you leave a trailing arm out, and you're in the bin for ten minutes. So, um, you know, I, I'd love to be playing now. I've got to be honest. Right, uh, there's one from Howell. Your favourite non-home ground to play at? Oh God, um, I used to I used to really enjoy playing at um, Astradi Park. Um, it was a strange one, really, because whenever we used to go out to Stradley Park, you know, the the Scarlet, the Flethy fans, sorry, used to forget that they were Welsh. They were Flethy <laughs> supporters on the day, and I used to get absolutely abused. And and you you probably remember yourself, Hockey. It was yeah. it was really yeah. tough going down there, bless them. But um, you know, to go there and win, it was almost like winning a Grand Slam. To be fair, because you know, it's not very often you you hear Flethy. Slenefi supporter, sorry, very quiet. So that that was my favourite place, and I was a Slenefi fan growing up. So I'm not dissing the Scarlets or Slenefi now before anyone starts. <laughs> there we are, hey, Shane. Appreciate you coming on up on rugby, mate, and uh, all the best. Anyway. I'll catch up with you soon, anyway. Pleasure, pal. See you next week, is it? Top man.